one of the things that really jumps out to me when we're looking at the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry case, um, a couple things that really stand out, I guess, but, you know, first and foremost, obviously, she's missing. Um, that kind of grabbed national news and, and headlines. But the biggest thing, the biggest question mark is why why drive home without her and not notify anybody if you have nothing to hide? So as most of you know, um, you know, it's kind of circulating all over the news, um, national news, you know, now it's becoming international news, but um, a young gal named, named Gabby Petito and her fiance, Brian Laundrie, uh, they went out on a cross-country road trip. You know, she was from the, the Upper East Coast and he was down from Florida where they were living with his parents. And she had a conversion van, a you know, one of those white utility vans that you can kind of make the back whatever you like. Um, and from pictures, um, if you haven't seen it already, it's actually very impressive stuff. That's kind of the new generation of things to do is, is the whole van life. You know, you go on YouTube, you can find um, plenty of, of vloggers and whatnot that, that road trip and do all that jazz. But they set off to head west in the, uh, this, the previous months here over the summer. And as they were making their trip through Utah, you know, Moab, uh, beautiful place. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that have gone there. Unfortunately, I have, I have yet to be there, but I've seen all the pictures. It sounds phenomenal. And they were working their way up north to Yosemite National Park, um, heading up to Wyoming. And I'm sure most of you have already heard everything that's already happened. Obviously the, the sheriff's office in both places, the FBI, everyone's kind of tight-lipped because there really isn't a whole lot of information. So to kind of break down, give, give all y'all what, you know, what I know is they set off cross-country in Gabby's van and they were working their way up to Yosemite National Park where um, Gabby was in close contact with her parents, whether it was texting or FaceTiming. And several days go by, there's no contact. Mr. Laundry ends up back at the house, the residence in Florida with her van, but without Gabby. And that obviously sparked a lot of attention with the parents, you know, hey, what's going on with our daughter? the typical questions that would be asked, but they were met with silence and no answers at all. The police department, the sheriff's office was met with, you know, a, a, a formal letter um, addressing them to their attorney. And that was where all questions were gonna go from there. Again, we're not here to say that Mr. Laundry is guilty of any crime. He just happens to be a person related closely to uh, you know, Miss Petito, who is missing. And so I think it's a pretty fair assumption that he might have more information that would be useful to them. But again, you know, I get a lot of people asking, how, how can the, the police not take action against Mr. Laundry when it's pretty obvious that he knows something? But again, you have to understand everyone has their constitutional rights and by bringing him in for questioning 
and, and you know, kind of making a public spectacle about this, you could be ruining his life and maybe there's more to the story that we don't know. I mean, there obviously is, but as much as I don't believe this, this, you know, hypothetical situation where maybe she had friends out on the West Coast or somewhere up there in, in the mountain areas and she decided, hey, screw you, we're, we're splitting up, I'm going off with my friends and I'll fly back, you can drive the van home. While that's highly unlikely, it's possible. And so they don't have any evidence of a crime, even though I think we're all kind of fearing the worst, which is, you know, a missing person in general, um, you know, to kind of give you more information for those of you that don't really understand how missing persons reports work. But typically when someone reports someone missing, they've already been missing for several days especially if they're an adult. If it's a child, it's a completely different story. But if they're an adult and, and going out on their own will, on their own accord, if you haven't heard back from them, it's not really a missing person report because they might not want to be found. They might not want to be talking to you. You know, I've gone several days without talking to people that I regularly talk to because I'm out doing something, right? I'm, I'm working or traveling um, or, you know, a house project, anything, you know, of, of that nature and I don't reply, and people don't file missing persons reports on me. However, something of this magnitude where they're traveling across the country and having constant communications with Miss Petito, for all of that to just stop, that led them to, to be concerned. And then, you know, almost, you know, about 10 days later, they filed a missing persons report on September 11th because they hadn't heard from her in well over a week. So, the, I think, kind of the thought that's in the back of my mind, at least anyway, is that she hasn't had any communication with her family or friends since late August. That is the point where, you know, you kind of fear she's been missing already for a while. She didn't go missing on September 10th. You know, she wasn't out doing... Um, her vlogging and taking videos and hiking and traveling and camping, and then the next day she's gone. Um, you know, they filed this report well over a week after she's presumed to have gone missing. And I think when you think about the the consequences of being alone in a national park or national forest, you you have to look at all of the elements that could you know, affect her physically and, and, and mentally. And that's, you know, being alone in a, in a territory that you're not used to. Um, the, the weather obviously is a big change. I mean, it can be beautiful and 70 degrees in the daytime. And that weather can shift to, to well below 40 degrees at night, even in the summer. So, you know, still something you can survive in, but not for very long. And then obviously the animals, the wildlife, um, that that's all a problem um, food scarcity water that kind of stuff would all be problematic but also something just you know I have a couple friends that are park rangers and one of the things that they've said oftentimes is you have to be careful of people out in these areas and I'm not talking about fellow hikers and, and campers because most of the time anytime that I've done some somewhat extreme camping you know everyone's willing to lend a hand oh you need some you know, food or, or you're missing some toilet paper or shampoo um, or your, your, your car battery died or whatever it is, 
I've always found that people are, are willing to, to lend a hand for the most part. And, you know, we always kind of, when I would go out with my old roommates, we kind of stayed to ourselves, um, avoided contact with people. But there were several times where people needed to jump or they couldn't get a fire started. Um, you know, for us one time, we, we didn't bring our magnesium strip and we were having trouble lighting a fire um, when it was pretty rainy. We went over to another campsite and they came over. You know, they walked probably 200 yards, 300 yards, which isn't that far of a walk, but they went out of their way to help us, is my point. And so what they have said is, you know, you, you, you hear the term, maybe some of you haven't, but feral people. And it's exactly what it sounds like, but you, you essentially have people living in these very, very remote areas where people aren't familiar with the terrain. It's geographically speaking, a very difficult place to exist. And so you have some people that want to escape reality and society, and they've kind of become lost with what society defines as normal. And so they refer to them as feral people because it happens more than you would think. I don't want to say often, but more than you think where there are people out there that, that murder and, and attack and sexually assault and steal and rob from campers and hikers that are kind of oblivious to, to that kind of activity going on. And so while I don't think that has anything to do with a case, it's something to think about um, that could have possibly happened. But all of the stuff that I have just described could present a very, very serious risk for Ms. Petito in this case. And so to leave her in that element seems rather unlikely that even in a fight with your significant other, you would just abandon them, whether it was, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend or whatever, just seems strange that you would up and leave somebody in that area. And I think that's really concerning because, you know, as you've seen in the reports, this is somebody that, that cared for her deeply. They were in a serious relationship. They were engaged to be married. Um, that doesn't mean people aren't capable of, of evil things when they're in a serious relationship. Obviously, we, we've seen all the domestic violence and um, trouble that has kind of risen through the pandemic with people being forced to see each other more. But you know, I've been mad at my significant other before, but I've never done anything to that nature. And so, it, you know, a lot of people are chalking it up as well. Maybe they were just really irritated with each other. Well, that doesn't mean you abandoned somebody in a national park. And we don't really know where she went missing, but it's a reasonable expectation that she went missing in Wyoming um, near Jackson Hole. And, you know, the search is obviously underway, but and this, this is maybe more graphic than, than some people are comfortable with, but one of the things that, you know, is, is probable is if, if she is dead, which we're all hoping she's not, but if she is dead and exposed to the elements, time is of the essence. Time is of the essence with any missing persons report, whether they're dead or alive. But especially in this case, given the area that she's probably in, um, if she's alive, the, the, the clock is ticking on her finding resources that she needs to survive. And if she's deceased, the elements are going to discard and dispose of key evidence that would be needed to recover a body. 
um, as in animals and insects and the weather pretty much eating away at a body that's left there. And I know that's really graphic, uh, but obviously that's not something that I, I hope is the result. But at the end of the day, trying to be realistic here, when people go missing and, and vanish and they never find them, they usually never find or at least have a credible suspect that they can get answers for. Uh, there was a case in Minnesota where, uh, you know, a Jacob Wetterling case, this is decades ago, but, uh, you know, the, the guy who killed him actually came forward. They pretty much pestered him for decades because they felt like this was the guy. Um, they had other charges on him, but he actually led them to the body. But he could have chosen to not do that and they would have never found Jacob Wetterling's body. So, I mean, they found the remains of his body. But, you know, my point is that in this situation, they have the person who was last with her, someone who she was very close to, obviously her fiance. And so um, to for him to leave that area and go back home to Florida and make that road trip, and she has no more communication with her family, the idea that she went off on her own to get away from him, while I don't think it's really being thrown out there as a probability, um, I think the chances of that happening are, are very, very slim given the fact that she has had no communication, right? In this hypothetical situation that she leaves him and says, screw you, take the van, even though it's hers, you know, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. I've got people out here that I know um, in a you know very desolate area. But let's say she did do that, you would think she would still have communication with her family. And I think that's where I kind of cross out that narrative, but the the biggest thing for me is how do you drive all the way back home? And I said this from the beginning, how do you drive all the way back across country? You know, it's a several day road trip. Even if you drove straight, you're talking 30 plus hours. Um, and you don't alert her family that, hey, I have her van um you know i don't you don't communicate with anybody and then when the police come to talk to you about it hey she's missing we haven't had any communication with her her family hasn't we want to know what's going on and you say talk to the lawyer i mean that's not incriminating but it's very concerning that maybe they're gearing up for a legal battle because they know there's going to be questions that they don't have answers for um, again, I'm not trying to point the finger and say, you know, Mr. Laundry is indeed responsible for her disappearance, but being realistic, there aren't a lot of other options here. You know, I, I know everybody else has seen it. Um, I think the news kind of broke last night where the family of Brian Laundry had said he's, he's missing as well, and he's been missing since Tuesday evening, but why did that take three or four days for you to report to the police when you've obviously not wanted to talk to them because your soon-to-be daughter-in-law is missing, but now that your son is missing, now you want to talk, but he's been missing for three, four days. Um, you know, that also jumps out as something that's really, really concerning. Um, you know, another thing that's kind of broken um, the national attention has been, or the national media has been the fact that they had a domestic dispute um, in which the police actually in Utah had said Gabby was the aggressor 
There were no arrests made. They separated them for the night. Essentially, she was cleaning the van. He walked in with dirty shoes, um, something of that nature, and someone witnessed a, a fight breakout, maybe a little bit of a physical altercation. The report wasn't super clear on what had happened, but cops were called. She was visibly upset and, and for the most part, took the blame and said, I was acting out, I was upset. Um, you know, I, I'm a clean freak and I just got pissed at them and they both didn't want to press charges. They were both very intent on the fact that they were serious together and loved each other and, and that's all normal. But, um, you know, you can go into the, what if they would have arrested somebody or, you know, gone to that length, would she still be alive and, and, and well? I mean, we don't know that she's dead, but I'm assuming the worst here, and, and that's the fact that no one's heard from her for over a week and, you know, two weeks really, and um, there's no, no answers from her. And so no answers from Mr. Laundry. He's gone. The attorney for the Petito family had said, you know, he's not missing, he's hiding. And I'm inclined to, to believe that but I, I don't know. Obviously, I, I hope that he doesn't harm himself. Um, you know, that's never a good resolution to this because you want answers and he's the only one with answers. And so that adds another, you know, kind of chaotic element to the matter of, well, if he's gone and we can never get answers from him, we'll never know what happened to her if he's missing. And so, you know, people have been surrounding the house and that's what I think is so odd is that there's reporters and angry people outside the house, and rightfully so, but he just vanishes while all those people are there. I don't know. There's a lot more information that we obviously haven't been told yet, uh, but really kind of a graphic, concerning situation as a whole. Um, but, you know, the whole thing about this, this episode is I, I just wanted to kind of break it down for everybody to, to listen to because I've been following this very closely. I'm sure a lot of other people have. I'm sure there's a lot of other podcasts that are going to start talking about this. But, um, you know, one of the reasons why I started doing this, just kind of for some background, is um, if you ever heard of the Jamie Kloss case, she was uh, a gal that lived near my aunt and uncle's house and in a, in a small town in Wisconsin that I'm very familiar with in Barron, Wisconsin. And... She was kidnapped in the middle of the night. Her parents both executed. And this is a very small town. And the FBI had literally zero evidence. I mean, there was not a hair, not a camera, nothing that could point to anybody other than her ability and bravery to escape him several months later. It was, I think, three and a half months later, she escaped his house because he got too comfortable with her. Um, you know, she did everything he said and, and she had the courage to get out and she did. And thankfully she was found safe. Obviously she's going through a lot of stuff, but that hit very close to home because that's a, that's an area that I've been in, uh, you know, multiple times when I grew up in Northern Wisconsin and, um, you know, to see how that really affected me, even though I didn't know them at all. Um, you know, I don't want to claim that I knew the victims or anything like that, but just to know I've been in this area so many times, a small little rinky-dink town of Barron, Wisconsin, and then for a horrible crime to happen like that with with no information, no evidence, no explanation. Um, and had she not gotten out, we probably never would have found her. So um, that really made me interested in this kind of stuff. So when I saw all this stuff happen with Gabby Petito, 
you know, even though I don't know her, I think we're all in the same boat where you just, you put yourself in the shoes of, of, of the family and you, you can really kind of sympathize with the fact that this is a horrible, horrible situation and to not know what's going on. And, and as I started browsing and, and doing more research on just active missing persons reports, typically the people, you know, around my age, you know, kind of the college age, um, it's terrifying. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's just, it's really scary how someone can disappear without a trace. And in this case with, with Miss Petito, there is a trace. There is almost a, not really a paper trail, but there's a physical trail that kind of points to where they're at. You know, cell phone records and whatnot. And I know there's a lot more information that will be coming out, but because they don't have a body, it's hard for the investigators to go after the person who they think might be responsible or at least have information, which is Mr. Laundry. And now that he's missing, it makes everything so much more complicated because the one person that they were hoping to get information from, whether he wanted to or not, they can't. Because again, they don't have a body. They can't subpoena certain you know, bank records, cell phone records. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that they can't do because they can't violate his rights. Um, and now that he's missing, uh, you know, that you're, you're talking about a whole nother situation. The parents are clearly backing him up. Um, not saying that they know anything either, but if I put myself in their shoes and my son were to come home without his fiance, but with her vehicle, and then her parents contacted me saying, we haven't heard from her, I would be meeting with them and going out to Yosemite National Park and working my ass to the bone to help find her, you know, and separating myself from my child, which I know sounds hard. And I'm sure those of you who are parents would probably be in a weird predicament where could you ever really turn your back on your child? But in this instance, I, I would have to say, Again, I don't have any children, but I'd have to say, you know, yeah. I mean, if, if he has the answers um, to possibly what happened to her and he's unwilling to talk, I mean, that, that would make me really suspicious. And so, um, you know, everything that I've run through, my, my, my three theories that I, you know, kind of default to and one of them, which I've already ex kind of explained, is that she went off on her own and he drove back. And now that she's missing, he says, well, I don't know what happened to her, but we got into a fight and she, she left. And I'm lawyering up because I don't want to put myself in an incriminating spot to say anything that would lead people to believe that I am guilty. And while the public can think what they want, the investigators are going to do what they need to do. The FBI, the Sheriff's County, they're going to do, you know, the park rangers, they're going to do what they have to do. And they're going to find information on her. They're going to find her. And then I'll be able to clear my name. Um, I don't believe that's the case. The theory number two is that, and this is the, the theory that I believe to be more likely, is that he, Mr. Laundry and Miss Petito, got into some sort of altercation. They were cooped up with each other for too long. They had gone on trips before, so it seems unlikely that he wouldn't be able to tolerate her, but maybe he was, you know, just maybe he was capable of evil and, which I think to an extent everyone is, but he, you know, 
physically intervened and you know physically harmed her and uh, and then he left you know discarded the body uh, whether she was dead or alive and drove home I, I think that that is the most likely scenario in this in this situation but again there's no evidence to support that he did that and I don't want to be out here and, and ruin his his reputation his name um, but this is all public information that that I think we're all um, exposed to and we can all access and, and I'm not saying anything different than what um, you know the media or the, or the sheriff's department is saying but that to me makes the most sense and one of the most I think key pieces of information here is that she sent out a text to her parents saying you know bad service Yosemite and I haven't physically seen the text that's from what I've seen um, is what she said they said it didn't sound like her but digging into that text alone and maybe I'm reading too much into it if she was able to send a text off in general right when you're sending a text and you you don't have much service the idea of sending an abbreviated text with little information doesn't make any sense I'm gonna send a really detailed text and if it goes through then they have all the information they need um, if my battery I felt like was about to, to die maybe I would send off a really quick text and that makes a little sense but she was saying bad reception and if it was indeed her that sent that text bad reception doesn't necessarily mean your phone is gonna die and so I feel kind of how the family does in which that wasn't her that sent the text and based on the timeline they believe Mr. Laundry was already on his way home when that text was sent out which would have meant Gabby was sending that text while she was alone and abandoned in a national park or with other friends but if she was with other people you would think she would have had the resources to communicate more properly and efficiently with people so that is kind of a spooky text and you know they said oh, that's just not how she texts we just don't buy it and and I kind of agree with that obviously I don't know any of them personally but um, the third theory is that they got separated and he couldn't find her and after a couple days of searching he drove home and it kind of relates to the first one but in this case he doesn't know where she is and now that people think she is a missing person and slash maybe a victim of a crime he doesn't want to go down for it uh, but again one of the reasons why I kind of picked that theory apart is that if she was missing and you couldn't find her why did you leave you could have called your family her family called the police right but he didn't if she was missing it's it's reasonable to think that you would contact the authorities or find help whether it's a, a sheriff's officer uh, park ranger or just some other campers or, or local people you know go to a local restaurant or gas station or anywhere and say I need help um, and that didn't happen as far as we know and so I think that that theory that they they got lost and got separated seems rather unlikely um, and I guess a fourth theory which I didn't really think too much of but I guess I'll put that in there because I said you know only three theories but the fourth one would be that they were attacked but again that seems unlikely because he seems to be fine we don't know what he looks like we don't know as in we don't know what he looks like as of now because no one's seen him um, so a lot of question marks here 
um, and I'm, I'm following up on everything I can find and I'll be putting out another another episode here tomorrow but the, you know the one thing that I want everyone to, to think about is you know two things is from his perspective why why not tell anybody that you're coming home alone I think that's a key piece of information that obviously we don't have answers to, but it it just seems so odd and so fascinating that he could leave his significant other and and not even, you know, take away the fact that they were in a relationship. Let's just pretend that they were just friends. That's still the person you were traveling with. That's still your companion that you were spending weeks and weeks with. Your trip was cut short. So to me, there's just no reasonable explanation that that could justify leaving without her. You cut your trip short. You didn't notify anybody. You drove her personal property back to your home. Didn't notify her parents that you had it. Um, it, it all has a lot of question marks. And now that Mr. Laundry is missing or, or hiding, um, which we don't know, there's just too many question marks here. And I think that... Um, you know, we're going to obviously find a lot more information out here, hopefully within the next couple of days. But um, I would encourage to stay tuned. And also, um, you know, it's important to, to really understand that when you're in a situation, when you're traveling to a foreign territory, you, you really have to be careful who you're with and what you're doing. Obviously, you never expect your significant other to be responsible for that. Not that he is, but... Um, So if you have any questions, please send them to me. Um, I'd love to get someone else on here to talk about this. Um, We'll have our our co-host on here tomorrow. Um, He's just uh, out of state at the moment. So we will be following this up tomorrow, and I hope you guys have a good day.